0: Hello basketball fans
1: and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast starting at center from Portland the wily veteran Dave Decker and at guard from Los Angeles the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns your podcast MVP Dia Miller
0: Welcome back to Dave and Dia of Blazers Edge podcast. I'm Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckard. We are recording a day early today. So the Trailblazers will take on the Timberwolves for the second time tonight. We have yet to see that game. So we can't talk about that. Or the but- Utah
1: game by the time this publishes. But, you know, hey, it's, it's we'll figure two more losses and keep it safe.
0: Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the plan, as we're seeing from the players that keep getting sat. It's kind of funny because, you know, they they lost to the Suns and then they sat Josh Hart and then they played the Timberwolves and kept that a close game with a roster of players that's hardly recognizable as Trailblazers. And that was a close game. So then today we woke up to news that they were going to be sitting Anthony Simons. <laughs> so it's, it just keeps going. It just keeps going.
1: It reminds me of like a Mario Party game or a mini game. You don't play video games, I forget, but it's just like okay, they're designed to slowly eliminate people no matter what. So there's only one winner. And a lot of those games are like scrambling to be ahead of your friends to survive, and that feels like the Trailblazers roster here. And if you are, uh, if you are all prone to lead to a victory, uh, it seems the injury bug is going to get you.
0: And it's an interesting discussion because you know, I mean, these are legit injuries, and and I'm gonna assume that they're actually injuries. I think probably most of these players deal with injury off and on that we never hear about because they fix it up, they push through it till they. They get to a place where they can take care of it. But we're in a situation right now where it essentially benefits the team for those players to sit. And, and just to clarify, there is no player in the NBA who is purposely tanking. The tanking thing comes from the franchise. It comes from the decisions that are being made there. It's not players that aren't playing. I've seen a lot of that conversation circulating that, well, the players shouldn't be purposely losing games, but they're not. The players are clearly... Not purposely losing games. We actually, on the flip side of that, have guys that are playing their hearts out and almost winning games that we probably kind of need to lose.
1: Obviously, everybody is trying hard because everybody left on the roster is trying to impress the coach, trying to impress other GMs. There's Mm -hmm. a ton of reasons. And, And you know what? they are paid to play NBA basketball. And even if they're not going to continue with the league beyond this stretch or beyond a couple years, this is their shot. This is their lifetime goal. Look, if you're a singer, you don't make the stage on American Idol and then intentionally sing poorly, right? Right. Now, you might not be as good as everyone else or whatever, but if you get your shot, you're going to take it. I I can't imagine anybody on the Trailblazers – Roster right now is trying to lose, trying to play subpar, trying to anything. And in fact, I as you say, I don't think these entries are necessarily bogus. The big question of course would be if the Blazers were in the thick of the fight for the number 2 spot in the West, would these same players still be sitting with these same injuries? That I think you can debate. But as far yeah. as watching the team play hard, obviously they are. And we we should reset the situation again. This is the weirdest Situation I can ever remember the Blazers being in, they can get anywhere between zero. And two draft picks in this year's NBA draft at the exact time when they need the help most. So there's nothing to root for here except them getting those picks. If they end up with zero, that's a disaster. And one of the ways they end up with zero is they end up making the playoffs. The other way is New Orleans either gets a top four spot, I think it is, or falls out of the lottery. That New Orleans pick is nowhere near guaranteed. Hopefully, Portland's will be. They need at least.
0: yeah it's a weird place for someone who's a fan like I'm a fan because you know I mean I if you've listened to this podcast for one episode you know that I'm I'm you know always trying to find the good things and the positive things and I I want to win and I've never been a fan of the idea of tanking I've, I've never liked that concept but I'm at this weird place right now where I've just kind of accepted it uh, I can see where where this is going. i I know it has to happen. And I have a couple choices here. I could, be miserable about it and whine and complain and hate watching Blazer games and refuse to watch them the rest of the season, which is just not really in my nature. So what what I find is I actually am kind of enjoying this season. It's a weird place. Like the game last of the Timberwolves game that, that we just lost. That was a fun game because we got to see these young guys that I really enjoy watching go out and play their hearts out and get all this time and do some fun things. And it was a close game the whole time. It was, it was, they were competing. It was close. And then at the end, you kind of, you know, breathe a sigh of relief because they're losing, which is weird and goes against everything in me. I find that I don't feel quite as stressed as I normally do. I feel a little bit calm knowing that, you know, we're, we're not going to go out and win a championship this year. So I just am going to enjoy good basketball and the highlights. I'm going to enjoy the highlights. And that's kind of a fun place to be. I don't normally get to be in that place.
1: They started, Kelgen Blevins and CJ Ellaby, StarTed. I mean, this is that that will change your expectations. I mean, all due respect, both of those players play basketball on their worst day blindfolded, better than I ever have in my life. They are NBA players, full credit. At the same time, compared to other NBA players or expectations or any fathomable approach to a starting lineup, that right there just says everything that you need to know about what one should expect. And as you say, watching the basketball. And watching plays being executed. I mean, you just got to reset. Wow, that was a good play. Forget about when, you know. Wow, they they actually played defense there. Uh, and they got a breakaway dunk. Sweet. Here's the dirty little secret that I think not many of us have said. But since everybody hates me now anyway, I might as well say it. For most of us or many of us, this is way more enjoyable than watching... Dame and CJ score 30 and 25 in a fairly pedestrian half court offense, knowing that the Blazers were going out in the first round because nobody's playing defense, even though Dame and CJ were way better players and at their peak, like I don't mean 2019, I don't mean even 2017. I do mean 2021, 2022, when this had gotten stale and those guards were just as talented, but the pace was getting slower. The effort was getting less team-wide. Things were not clicking and it just kind of looked ugly, even though their stats looked pretty. This is actually somewhat better to watch. Nobody wants to admit it, but I think Portland had gotten a little sick of that other kind of basketball.
0: I'm not ever going to not enjoy watching CJ McCollum play basketball, especially in a blazer Jersey. I'm not ever going to not enjoy Damian Lillard playing basketball. So even when there was struggle, I still really enjoyed that. What I will say is you could see by the end of, of, you know, the time that CJ was there and, and before all these moves started happening, you could see the frustration coming out. You could see the players seemingly a little more on edge. There was clearly stuff going on. Now, some of that may have had to do with all the rumors circulating about the trades that might be coming. It might have had nothing to do with playing together. There could have been all kinds of other things that were going on there. But you could see that there was some tension and frustration. I think that because of the nature of the current team. And because there are so many guys that are getting substantial minutes that in another situation, they probably wouldn't, whether that's because of their inexperience or their youth, whatever it is, these guys are getting a lot of minutes right now that they normally wouldn't be getting. And so even when they're losing, you see so much energy and excitement. And it's like they are not leaving anything on that court. They are leaving everything out there. I just said two different sentences. They're leaving everything on the court. They're out there playing their hearts out and they're enjoying it and they're having fun. And it does seem like there's a little bit of a different mood around the team. I think you see that with the fans too. When when we were all watching the team struggle and not really knowing what was going to happen and, you know, we have this talent, but it's not quite clicking the way that it should or that we need it to, that's a frustrating thing. When you have a talent like, uh, like CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard, you expect greatness. And we weren't in the greatness part of the NBA. We were kind of in the middle. And so it was this weird frustration as a fan. Whereas now we've all kind of accepted that this is where we're at and we can just enjoy basketball and enjoy these guys playing. And that's really cool to see. I really enjoy watching this current roster win or lose.
1: Yeah. I mean, is it better on the defensive end? Clearly again, the point production is results aren't there. Other teams are posting 135, 120 points. I get it, but watching them try on defense is a fairly new experience, frankly. And, again, that's not to disparage the old squad, but they were in a different part of their life cycle, both as a team and as individuals. And, frankly, the players being brought in were pretty veteran. You know, I think they it had the fire caught among them. I think they could have been really good, but that spark was hard to light because you don't have kindling. You have big logs there, right? And, it's like, you kept stacking more big logs on the pile that isn't lighting and trying to light it up, and there was just no purchase. Well, now... There are no big logs. They're systematically being removed daily, it seems. But you got a lot of kindling there, a little bit of newspaper. And so at least for a second, that fire is burning pretty bright. Now, you got to get your marshmallow in quick because this isn't going to, you know, this isn't going to sustain you. But at least it's lit. And that is, well, as you say, fun to see.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like we mentioned, players are just, you know, one by one going out. First, it was Josh Hart. He had to sit for a while. Now, Anthony Simons will be sitting for the game tonight. Yusuf Murkich um,
1: went out before that. Yeah, I mean. Yep.
0: So the starting lineup for tonight's game is Brandon Williams, Josh Hart, CJ Ellaby, Trendon Watford, and Drew Eubanks.
1: Oh, heart so, came back. Hart's coming back.
0: Hart's back. Yeah. So we're just kind of playing around with the roster here, <laughs> seeing what works and what doesn't. But it's, it's, I mean, Brandon Williams, CJ Ellaby, Trenton Watford and Drew Eubanks, you know, Drew Eubanks is on a 10 day. Trenton Watford is a two way player. CJ Ellaby was a rookie last year. Brandon Williams, In the last game. I literally said, wait, who's that? Because I didn't even know. I, I missed that somewhere along the line because there have been so many changes it's been chaos, but it's really cool to watch these guys.
1: You better wake up on Brandon Williams, my man scoring a point a minute out there. Oh, I mean, he's, he's
0: fantastic. Yeah,
1: he's uh, scoring yeah, a lot.
0: He's fantastic. It's not that I didn't know like of him. What's happened is we went from a team that we've had essentially being the same with a few minor changes here and there to all these players that have never been anywhere near this team. And, and we don't know if, if you don't follow outside of the blazers circle, you don't know who they are. You don't recognize them. You know, you kind of get to know who's who's who based on their face. I'm having to check numbers and see whose number is who's because I don't recognize them well enough yet or where they're playing or whatever. It's just, it's a very chaotic shift from the guys you've watched play for years to to all of a sudden an entirely new roster. There's the only person on the starting lineup tonight that's even remotely been with this team is CJ Ellaby. And he was just a, a brand new rookie. This is only his second year. It's a wild ride that we've been on as Blazer fans who are and now some teams make changes like this more frequently, but the Blazers don't. We've had the same the same roster essentially, for so long that it's just an adjustment. But yes, Brandon Williams is killing it. Trenton Watford, you know, he's really done well. We have some really exciting talent on this team.
1: Well, you should get used to this kind of change because it's going to happen probably at least twice more before they settle into any recognizable form. And maybe a bunch of times more. I mean, this could be the story of like the next three or four years. It will depend. First thing we got to see is, do they get those lottery picks? Second thing is, does Portland's get promoted to super high territory? That will tell you everything you need to know. And that's the big hope, of course, of then bringing back Lillard and having some success if you get a franchise changing player right now. Other than that, they're going to have to make some more changes and then nibble around the edges and shift and shift and, you know... God knows, it's a, it's, they're off into the wilderness at that point. So anyway, I think it's a it's clear signal what we're experiencing right now that the era has ended, the era is ending that you're talking about uh, of there's going to be stability it's going to be a very predictable top 3 it's going to be the same positions changing every year and it's going to be the same pipeline through the bench it's not anymore that's that's done and i think we've we've seen that era shift now your new players i mean i wrote Tuesday, by the time you hear this, about the player that I'm most excited to see among this new bunch. Who's yours, though, Dia? I mean, pick a player who's new to the team. Which one do you think excites you most as far as long-term prospects? I
0: feel like anyone who's listened to our podcast should be able to guess this, but maybe I'm not as obvious as I think I am. Hmm. Uh, this is a no-brainer for me. I like a lot. I like all of the young guys, to be honest. I think they all have something great to offer and I, I'm excited about a lot of them. But if I'm being totally honest, Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson is is the one that I'm the most excited about. I think there's a part of that that is just a bias because, you know, I I shoot that the team that he came from, I shoot regularly. So I've had interaction with him. I've been able to shoot him and I, I always get a little more attached to those players and I want to see them go on and do well. But, Putting that aside, Keon Johnson is is an energetic, athletic player, and I think that he's going to be someone that we're really going to enjoy having on this team. I hope he stays. I hope they don't move him. And I hope that, you know, he he becomes a a contributor. I think I think he's going to be I think he's somebody who is going to have a high ceiling. I think that he's going to, you know, he's very young. And I think the more, especially with this season and getting so much experience playing real NBA minutes, I think that's going to greatly improve his ability to to be a, a significant part of this team. And I'm I'm really excited about that. Where are you at? Who do you think?
1: Yeah, mine was Trendon Watford. I mean, the, the, the new guy that you've got to like for the lineup long-term is Josh Hart, but he felt a little... Oh, I was... He's 26. Josh
0: Hart is an experienced. Yeah, NBA he's 26, player. exactly. Yeah, I would not which
1: put I him. I went the question, as it was asked to me, as I recall, was new to the team as far as oh. new to the NBA. So okay. but I mentioned him because he's the one you have to mention if you're looking yeah. at long term prospects. But I, I went the same way you did in terms of okay, having said that, there are a lot more young players uh than there yeah. are new long term prospects overall. And mine was Watford.
0: I assumed you would say Watford.
1: You did. Why? Why? Why would? It, why do you think I would say Watford?
0: I think he's probably the most obvious choice. I think. he Oh, is. oh snap!
1: Because <laughs> Dave's captain, obvious. Okay, no, go no, ahead, please. Yeah, that's no, fine. I
0: just think I just think, he, and you don't and, always and Dave, pick Dave,
1: so, you always take the obvious st- I get it. Okay, go no,
0: ahead. you don't always pick the obvious choice. But I think in this, I think in this situation, he he's a standout. I think he's far and above one of the best player one of the best young players that we have and i think you know he's he's worked his way up to where he is and i'm not surprised at all to hear to uh, not just you just in general i would think that that would be a resounding consensus that that he would be he's the name i hear the most of, of the young guys i would think that that would be the i say obvious choice but like the rational choice yeah i had the emotional choice i hadn't he-
1: Oh, I'm a Vulcan now. I'm an obvious Vulcan. I get it. Okay. So I hadn't heard as much, I suppose, about him from the crowd. But look, six foot nine, hyper athletic. And the Blazers have got a few hyper athletic players. I mean, Greg Brown, yeah. as you say, Keon Johnson. But a combination of that, his height, his weight. But what struck me and what I wrote about was his ability to pick up stuff over the course of this season, has really impressed me. And asterisk, small sample size, asterisk, growth curves aren't even, and he could plateau, or maybe that's it, and it goes back down. I don't know. All those things are possible. But you don't often see a player expand his game as far as Watford has in getting relatively still spotty minutes until very recently, going up and down, but he started as just a, a rim runner basically. Go get the offensive rebound, try to jam it back in, make a cut, see if someone passes to you, right? And play good defense. That was the laundry list, as it is for most young players. But he actually got some short-range moves. Uh, He can actually score now a little bit in ISO. Uh, And also, he's setting very nice screens up high. So he's developed utility at different areas of the floor fairly quickly. Also, he seems to be fairly within himself doing it, is what I said. He seems calm aware you know how it is when you when you first begin to get success and playing time as a young player you try out and you go out and try to do everything at once right and it it looks almost comical sometimes he's really played within the team within himself given his combination of physical skills and that i think he has a chance and i think he has a chance to continue his growth curve and to really fill a meaningful role at a forward position and I would not say that about a lot of players on this team, frankly. And I think, you know, even Johnson is not, is not as guaranteed. I don't think Brown is as guaranteed. I think you can go down the list, and he's the one. So I'm watching him, and I think the Blazers should continue to watch him, obviously. I'm hopeful that they may have found, if not a starter, at least a, a reliable and interesting bench player game-changer at Ford. I
0: mean, I'll be honest. I'm really excited about a lot of these young guys. I, I hope that if they don't stay with the Blazers, they find a, a solid spot somewhere else, because I think there's a, I think there's a lot of talent in this team and in these young players. Um, it needs to be developed. It needs to be, you know, and, and they're getting that opportunity more than ever right now. Elijah Hughes is another one that I was excited about when he came and And I think he has potential, you know, he's, he's another one that's real athletic and and you see, he, his game, he stands out to me. You know, we were watching Drew Eubanks who just got another, a second 10 day contract. And so, you know, he's, he's playing well for the team. I think there's a lot of guys right now that are kind of the underdog. I mean, this is the, this is, if ever there was an underdog team, like this is a really fun, like I keep saying fun, but this is fun for me. It's fun for me to watch basketball this way. I've always liked an underdog. And I love that. I love seeing that happen and seeing them get a shot. And not only are they getting a shot, they're getting legit playing
1: time. Yeah. I mean, Eubanks, it was interesting to watch him as he came in because it's a contrast. He obviously knows how to play. And he does a dozen little things that his teammates don't quite know how to do, either because they're so new or because it's not their thing and they've gone beyond that. But getting down, I mean, getting down low, not just on the floor, but in his stance, pushing other players around, just smart, active play without being the most active player on the floor or the most athletic, for sure. Uh, I find it kind of fun watching him play in terms of, you know, undersized center coming into a brand new team.
0: Yeah, for sure. He's been he's been for a team that really needed somebody in that position. He's been a good fit. And I think, you know, that's why we saw him get signed to another 10-day. It'll be interesting to see where he goes from here and and what happens going forward. That is a position that has been a little bit of a problem for us. So you know, we'll see, but I'm glad to have him in that spot now. Another one that I think is is worth talking about that there's been some some conversation circulating around is CJ Ellaby. CJ Ellaby was our draft pick last season and you know this is his second season with the Trailblazers and he's had substantial minutes, but stat wise, his stats aren't the best for, you know, the time that he's getting. Um, So where are you at? What do you think about C.J. Ellaby and and, and where he stands right now?
1: There's what I should say and what I want to say and what I'm going to say will be in between them. But if I don't if I'm not honest, Dan Morang, our podcasting cohort on the Jack Ramsey's podcast, will come and get me because he and I often text about Ellaby. And I'm not speaking for Dan at all. I'm just speaking for me. I don't see it. Much respect to him, by the way. Again, I hate saying stuff like this, but whatever CJ Ellaby has got, I don't see translating very well. I think there's still a lot of mistakes being made out there. There's not a lot of defined skill you know like what's the one thing that he's going to do that will keep him here or in the league Uh, uh, you know i search me Uh, i haven't i haven't got it with him and there are just moments and, and i think they stick out because there isn't a lot to support them like if he if he did nine good things and then four bad things that's just a young nba player right but you really notice the four bad things when there are only one and a half good things. And then the rest of it's kind of pedestrian. And that's where I am with Ellaby right now. And I don't foresee him playing a big role with this team. And I don't see him as particularly critical. He will have to play a lot better and contribute a lot more to make me change my mind on that. I'm open to it for sure. I hope he does. But to me, that's just kind of a miss right now.
0: It's tough. It's tough. Anytime you've got someone that you're watching and just waiting for them to develop and waiting for them to solidify their place. And it's just not happening fast enough. And that's the thing that I worry about is I, I think he, I think he would eventually get there. I just don't know if he's going to do it fast enough that he's going to be able to continue. There's so many people that are fighting so hard to get into the NBA that if you don't get there quickly enough, you find your way out pretty fast. so I, I don't know it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I, I hope the best for him. I, he's in my opinion he's fun to watch. Um, I've enjoyed having him on the team but I, I kind of agree with you and I, I I worry a little bit that he's that he's gonna yeah. I, I don't know
1: I, I don't find him that fun to watch actually you know and that's the thing is that we say he'll get there. I can't identify a get to where with him. I could, I could do that with Anthony Simons. Now, look, Anthony Simons, as he was growing through the last couple of years, also made plenty of mistakes and just didn't, you know, he was spotty. He was on and off, right? But you could see where this was headed, and you could see the skill set and the talent that could come out of this if it turned for him. C.J. Ellaby, it's just there's a lot of, out of 10, there's a lot of fours and five skills. He's not He's not really bad at stuff, but what's the thing he's good at? You, it's the NBA. You you can always find those players. You can uh, find them in college programs, you can find them overseas. If if you're a four, five, six at most everything, you you're not gonna stick. Where's the nine skill? Where's the where's the potential to be a ten someday? It's not it's not there that I see. So yeah, I mean he he is one I would circle where it's like I would place him low on the list of continuing. And below, by the way, players like Watford. I mean, even Greg Brown, I hate to say it, but even Greg Brown, I've seen more for from, rather. Uh, obviously, not enough time. Brown would have to get as many minutes as CJ is getting in order to compare fairly. But again, I can see where Greg Brown would go if he really excelled. I just, I don't, I just don't see it.
0: On the flip side of that, we have Anthony Simons, who is just cruising. I mean, he is... He is on fire right now, and there's a lot of talk. We talked about this kind of briefly on our last podcast, but there's a lot of talk circulating right now about the possibility of him being the most improved player this season. The other player that you hear in that mix often, you know, is is John ja Morant. Um, at least that's what I've been seeing. Now, my thinking here is, you know, John ja Morant was essentially a superstar last year or a star. you know he was he was already a star last year. So yes, he's improved. but to me, Anthony Simons has made leaps and bounds and and really, in my opinion, even if I take my Portland Trailblazer fan bias out of it, Anthony Simons really deserves this. He has gone from a guy that last season people were saying, I don't know if he's gonna be a good enough backup point guard for Dame. To the guy that's basically filled Dame's shoes and role on this team, which is Dame's got some real big shoes to fill. And Anthony Simons has stepped right in and taken that spot and done, I mean, essentially step for step, the things that Damian Lillard does. And and is it's been really impressive to watch it happen. I don't think that there's an argument, a better argument for anyone else in the NBA this season. I think that he is a massive standout for most improved player. And I will really be disappointed if he doesn't get it because I think it is well-deserved. And I think if it goes to Ja Morant, I don't think that's fair. I think it absolutely should be, should be Anthony Simons. Granted, I love Ja. I think he's fantastic. One of my favorite players in the in the league to watch. You could argue that maybe he would be an MVP, candidate. But I do not think that 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 should go to anyone other than Anthony Simons.
1: So John Morant went from an all-star level to an all-NBA level, which is improved. But those are their own rewards. I'm not a big fan of most improved player coming from that, or that echelon of of player. Uh, So I agree with you. And I think Simons, I mean, look what he did last Saturday night in Minnesota. Blazers are struggling. And also, they have one offensive player, and it's him. Right. So Minnesota's defense had one job and they still couldn't do it. I mean, he set his own career high or tied it for three pointers made and kept the Blazers afloat, especially in the third quarter where the whole team, granted, had been doing really well the first two quarters. But in the third quarter, everybody else stalled. And Simon stepped up and said, well, I'm just going to hit like four three pointers and uh, keep my team alive to fight through the fourth. And he did it as the only player on the court uh, who could actually score. Well, that says something. And that's, that's way beyond where Anthony Simons was four months ago, let alone one year ago. So I am convinced by your argument. The, the thing with Simons, though, I will say this. I see people arguing in the comments. Some are saying, Anthony Simons is going to be amazing. He's going to be the next 20-plus point scorer. And that's who he is. And he's showing it right now. And everybody else is saying, or you know, some other people, he's going to regress. He's going to have hard times. You're going to see him go back down. He's going to score 15 and and the NBA is going to solve him. You know the answer is both, right? I mean, he's not he's not anywhere near the end of his arc and he is going to remain brilliant. He is also going to be caught up to and defenses are really going to if the if the opposing defenses ever take the Blazers seriously again, he's going to be one of the main guys, if not the main guy on their list. And he's going to have to adjust. And I expect him to struggle through that. But I also think there's a potential that he makes that next evolution beyond it as well. So I, I find the whole argument of what Anthony Simons is right now ridiculous, because he's everything people say. He's. Let's let him grow into what he's going to be uh, and I think, obviously, the Blazers going to match him and give him a chance to do exactly that. And then see whether you can build a team around him or whether his talent is going to be useful in netting you other talent.
0: Yeah, I feel like a proud parent with him because, you know, we drafted him. I remember when he was drafted, I was real high on him. I have been ever since. I remember sitting at, at Clippers games, uh, watching him play and the people around me talking about him and wondering who he was. And, you know, I'm I'm pulling up his stat sheets and showing them and saying, you got to watch this guy. He's going to be good. So I feel like I've been somebody who's been on the Anthony Simons train from the time that he was drafted. Um, and so it's really exciting to watch him play this well and, and really step into his role. I think it's going to be fun to watch him continue. And I think he will. I think he's going to exceed people's initial expectations. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be a star.
1: Well, the three-point shot certainly recommends him for that, and also improving defense. That will be the big test. Now, he can't slip back to where Lillard and McCollum were and just ride his points. Otherwise, we're going to be back where we were, even if he develops into the player he can be. But... He, there have been some impressive defensive stands that we've talked about this season. And if that part of his game keeps improving and he he can stay on the floor legitimately, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I could definitely see him becoming a bona fide star.
0: couple other little odds and ends of things. The remaining schedule for the Trailblazers, I was looking at something the other day. I, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't cite my source. But I was looking at something the other day that was showing the difficulty of the remaining season. And Portland's is, I believe, the easiest based on that rating of anyone in the NBA left this season, which is... Normally, I would be cheering and, you know, glad for that. But being in a situation where we kind of need to lose, it'll be interesting.
1: (laughs) I I don't think you have to worry that. I mean, easiest is a relative term. Look, uh, if you have uh, an army boot camp platoon who has to scale an eight foot wall. Well, that's pretty easy compared to the 15 foot wall. Great. We only have to do the eight foot one. Take that platoon and replace them with third graders And that eight-foot wall looks pretty hard, right? So that's essentially what's happened to the Blazers. So they may have the easiest schedule in absolute or relative terms, rather, to the rest of the NBA. But absolutely, compared to their talent, I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't foresee them not winning at all, but I don't think they're ever going to be comfortable in any given game ever, which means that they're probably not going to win even half of them.
0: It'll it, I mean, and really, we kind of need him not to it's got to be a little bit frustrating on their end. I'm sure they know what's going on. If, if we I always say this, but if we as fans can figure this stuff out, you know, they know what's happening here. But there's got to be a sense in which it's a little bit frustrating because I. I mean, I know as somebody who's competitive on a much lesser level, that would be frustrating for me. It's a little frustrating just to watch at times if you can't like shift your mindset into something else. So I'm sure there's a sense in which it's a little frustrating for them.
1: You know, it would be hilarious if the Blazers got screwed by the play in. This would be so Portland because, you know, for years we've talked about, okay, what's the Blazers' problem? It's not that they're bad. It's like right draft pick, wrong time to have it. Or, you know, uh, wrong draft pick, right time to have it uh, or whatever it is. Uh, also, you know, they got the player they needed two seasons too late or they got rid of the player one season too early, whatever it is. Or an injury happened, right? It's timing is what I'm getting at. So the league switches to a play-in tournament, Let's say the Blazers finish 10th this year and get through it somehow through having a really good week and get to the 8th when they would have otherwise had a lottery pick and they get slaughtered in the first round because now there's a play-in tournament. That would be so Portland. Like, we lost everything by winning. (laughs) It was like, I just... I, I, I cannot help but think that... Even they are angling toward, like, we don't want 10th. We want 11th. We want 12th. Just San Antonio, please. It's like standing at the door with someone, like, I'll hold the door for you. No, I'll hold the door for you. (laughs) Please go ahead.
0: Have I said how much I hate the play-in tournament? I hate the play-in tournament. I hate that they've shifted it and done it this way. I do not like it at all. Why? Because I feel like you spend an entire season playing games that puts you in your rank. You spend an entire season getting to the point, there's a whole schedule of, you know, everybody plays these teams this amount of time, whatever, to keep it fair-ish. You get to the end of the season and you're ranked. That's where you're at. You spent the entire season working for those rankings. And it really irks me that a team that spent its entire season working for the ranking of eighth place – could get booted out by a team that just happens to go on a win streak. I don't like that. I, I don't like the that whole concept. It To me, it feels like if you earn that spot, you shouldn't have to fight for it. I don't like that. And, and now, if this is how the NBA had always been, that's what you're used to. But because it wasn't, because it's always been, you make it to the eighth seed and you're in the playoffs, it's really a hard shift for me. And it just feels like, it just feels to me like there are teams that get gypped. I just don't like it. I feel like it's not fair.
1: I can see that. It's often the difference between 8 and 10 is slight. Not always, but I mean, sometimes, I mean, 8 is kind of arbitrary. If you if you if your 10th seed is only two games behind after 82 games, that's pretty close. And certainly within a margin of error for the wrong injury or slept late and couldn't make the flight or whatever it was. I I don't object to it that much. I think it's kind of exciting, especially since it's harder if you're the 10th team than if you're the 7th or 8th. So uh, I kind of like it. But in this case, I don't want the Blazers anywhere near it. I just, I don't. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I get it. And I get the excitement part of it. That part is, you know, is kind of fun. I get that. I get... The appeal of it, I'm not knocking the appeal of it. I just my sense of like justice, <laughs> my sense of you worked for the place that you have and, and you spent the whole season. Why are we now changing it so that it, it just it, it doesn't sit right with me? I just don't like it. I just mm-hmm. like I can respect it. And, and I, you know, obviously it is what it is, but I just am not a fan of I'm not a fan of that move. I don't like change. Change is hard for me.
1: I got to tell you, the juxtaposition with the lottery is kind of weird, though. Like, okay, so you can play in a play-in tournament and maybe get the eighth seed, and you were 10th best, so you get blown out. You know, you know, there's no hope. Or you can get a lottery pick, which is extraordinarily valuable. Uh, it, I mean, it's been shown that in today's league, lottery, next to having a bona fide superstar, a lottery pick is the best thing that you can have, period. So like the rewards don't seem balanced there. And I don't know what to do about that. So I can I can see a little bit of what you're saying there uh, from a different point of view. But I still think it's an okay thing, especially if you got a super competitive ninth or 10th place team.
0: Yeah, I just, it's not my thing. It's not my thing, but it is, I mean, that's that's how it's done now. So I, you know, I get on board with it. I just, about, I, I always I, cheer for the team that was in eighth to still get eighth.
1: I like this better than a, idea of a mid-season tournament what the hell is that about i mean people keep saying that and it's like why do i want a mid-season tournament why do i what does that prove what what do we care about that uh it just seems weird
0: i mean that that's that's not for right that's like a exhibition type thing though from my understanding isn't it
1: well i i don't know it might be it depends on how they do it but i just that's what i mean i don't see the point like well, Why it's like just, the all-star
0: game. What's the point of the all-star game? There isn't one. But, it's just exhibition.
1: Right, but that's one game. That's not an entire tournament right. in the middle of the year for no particular yeah. reward. And, and people value being in the NBA all-star game. Like, yeah. if I'm an all-star, I'm kind of proud of that. Uh, yeah. But, like, wow, we're the mid-season tournament champions. Oh, yeah? Well, we were summer league champions. I mean, it's just, uh, okay. One championship that's the way it is that's what everybody fights for maybe i'm old school like that
0: i don't know enough about the concept to know what i think about it but i'm just still bitter about this play-in tournament it's not my favorite thing so hopefully it it doesn't hurt us this year and we'll see we'll see really that about covers what we've got to talk about this week um you know we we talked a lot last week about the other stuff and i think we're i think we're caught up
1: wait what did we talk about last week i forget
0: we talked about Anthony Simons being the most improved player.
1: Yes, that's the, that was the topic. Yes, you're right. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the other topic that shall not be named. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I think people like that, though. It's not often Dave and Dia argue.
0: I mean, we could.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, obviously we could. We just, <laughs> we're usually pretty nice to each other. I mean, it's just, you know.
0: I, we, I don't think we were mean. No, somebody somebody tweeted the podcast and said uh, that we were having the conversation that every set of Blazers fan friends were currently having. And I thought, you know, that's kind of true. We we have these conversations like this. And and the fact is, you know, we're kind of representing different sides of things. But but it's not just us. Those debates are happening all over. And that's one of the things that makes sports and, and being a fan, such a fun thing is, is you know, we don't all agree. If everybody agreed on everything all the time, it would be a lot more boring. We wouldn't be doing this.
1: Yeah, because sports would be like chess, which chess, mad respect to Magnus Carlsen or whoever is ruling chess at the moment. I'm sure it's a wonderful uh, experience. But like, there's a lot of cut and dry stuff. And if you're beyond the cut and dry, it gets pretty esoteric pretty quick, which means that the conversation is limited to a circle, a small circle. One of the wonderful things about sports is that people can attach at different levels and pick up the level of concept that they want uh, and kind of park there and enjoy the show. And that's actually great. This is one of the few things that, and by the way, and doing that is not supposed to, this is actually important. Let's take this up. Doing that is not supposed to isolate you. This is the difference between sports and, like, say, music or art right because you can do that similar thing in music you can go to the depth you want like okay this song was written in the phrygian you know scale and blah 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 and you know all the stuff about it on down to well i just kind of like this song and music allows that kind of accessibility but what you find very quickly is it it fractures that group a will not associate with group b and vice versa and really the two have very few to talk about well sports you can attach at your level but there's always something to talk about between you it's not like the levels automatically segregate or segment unless you make them do that by saying i'm a fan and you're not or i'm really smart about basketball and you're not and you're just a dumb you know person so you think this and i think that well you can do that but that's you not the sport so I actually find this as a fairly uh, one of a couple unique topics that can be talked about in this way. Uh, and so I enjoy the the opportunity to do it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a unique place. There's a lot of there's a lot of room for differing opinions and it's not just uh, this or that. There's kind of a sliding bar of opinion. So right. it, it's- and the,
1: the casual opinion might be right that's the thing. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. wow, John ja Morant is great. Yep, you're right. And uh, by the way, I said that three years ago, because I love John ja Morant. Yep, you were right. <laughs> you know, yeah.
0: I largely base my opinions off of how I feel about things or what I like and don't like. And a lot of times I'm right. I'm wrong a lot too. But I'm right a lot. And and it, And it's not coming necessarily from a while I do understand the game of basketball and I understand how these things work, that's not always how I base my opinions. I base my opinions on all kinds of things. And and sometimes I'm wrong, but sometimes I'm right. And it has no basis in, in stats or the, whatever that's called when you bet and, and the whatever, see, I can't even explain the odds. Yeah. It's not based on odds. It's not based on, you know, anything like that. It's just based on what I like and what I think. Yeah. And sometimes I end up being right.
1: Which is awesome. Yeah, I find that this is a lot less fun when you talk in terms of right and wrong because everyone will be both. But
0: oh, I love being right. I don't think yeah. that's not fun.
1: But talking in terms of like truth, you know, is what you're saying basically connected to a reality that we can all share? And if so, how? Right? And that's almost the opposite of right and wrong. Oh, I was right. Okay, well, good for you. But how does that connect to anything but you? Now the entire sport is reduced to your, uh, you know, uh, opinion of yourself. Okay, have it. That's great. But we can't really share in that. We can't all gather around and say, "Yay, Fred! Let's uh, yay! We're the Fred team." Okay. But is there truth in this? And this is where, I mean, it can be on the floor, it can be the business side, it can be the human side. All of those are different truths, and there are a million more. Can we express them? Can we gather around that? Can we weigh which we think is most significant or important? Can we talk about them, fill up the spaces in between them with interest and passion, and then get together and watch it all play out? That's actually a really super awesome experience, and that's what I find fun.
0: Just don't cheer for the other team well we're all on board with that
1: unless the other team is the lakers or uh no, if um, the other team is the lakers I, you better not be cheering for I said, them yeah well that's what i mean uh, if the other team's the lakers is what i meant but i was thinking like yeah. if cj McCollum goes to the playoffs
0: yeah but well but if the blazers are out but if it's the blazers or if or it's C.J. a play-in McCollum.
1: tournament or if it's the play-in tournament like if the blazers are facing the pelicans in the play-in tournament i might okay. root for cj
0: <laughs> i can't do this dave i can't do this with you
1: <laughs> you well, okay, you don't want, to, do you want to get the eighth spot? <laughs> I might be going like, okay, I'm going to talk like I'm rooting for the Blazers, but inside, I'm going to go, you go, CJ, come back, Zion. You know, just, yeah, yeah, oh, darn, Blazers lost. They're in the lottery. Too bad they didn't win that play-in tournament. Yay, CJ, you get your wish. Go. Well,
0: guys, this has been Dave and Dia.
1: <laughs> it has been. It's been a fun <laughs> Dave one. Dave
0: is trying to start something again. <laughs>
1: Oh, uh, We'll take that up next week with episode 70 Until then, uh, for Dia Miller I'm Dave Deckard and we will see you soon. A
0: hater sees an opening Down the lane, moves towards the hoop But then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot Attempt away, saying get that weak Stuff out of here Dave scoops up the loose ball, now it's a fast rate The other way with Dia, she's flying down the court Dave sends her an alley-oop, she jams it Boom, shakalala The crowd is on its feet Saluting Dia, I tell you If she isn't the Rookie of the Year, they really ought to just stop giving the award.
1: What a talent! Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.